Today we are going to look at five short stories, uh, five short stories found in John chapter 20 that are all about um, men and women who encountered Jesus and his resurrection and the kind of faith that they had displayed. So we're going to find five stories of faith on display in John chapter 20 and we're going to begin with the story of John, John and his humble faith. Starting in verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scripture that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. So here in these first few verses, we have uh, Mary running to tell Peter and the other disciple. Um, this other disciple quite possibly is, is John, quite possibly is the, the author of this book. And so uh, for our purposes this morning, we're going to call him John instead of just calling him the other guy. Uh, so Mary runs and she finds Peter and John and she tells him uh, that the stone has been rolled away and that they don't know where Jesus' body has been placed. And so Peter and John race each other to get to the tomb. And, and as John gets there and as Peter then gets there, they, they go in and they see that the, the linen wrappings that were around Jesus' dead body um, are, are there in the tomb and they've, it's like they've been undisturbed, right? They're, nobody came and unwrapped the body. They weren't ripped apart, but it was almost as if the body had just disappeared through them. And then they found the, the face cloth that had been over Jesus's, um, Jesus's face and it had been rolled up almost as if somebody was, was tidying up behind themselves. And they look in and they see that something has happened here that can't be fully explained um, by, by just thinking that someone came and stole Jesus's body. And, and if this disciple that's being talked about really is the author of this book, um, he, he describes his own faith. By, by saying that he saw those wrappings there. He saw the missing body of Jesus and he believed. But then he follows it up immediately with a sentence saying that, that they didn't yet understand um, that Jesus must rise from the dead. And so we get this, this extraordinary statement of John's faith followed up with a statement saying that, yeah, I believed, but I didn't quite understand everything yet. I, I didn't quite get it yet. His faith was growing and 
his faith, faith wasn't rejected or discarded as being worthless because it wasn't fully developed yet or that he didn't quite understand everything yet. His faith was genuine, but it was just growing. Uh, his faith still had room to grow. And he was humble enough to say this. He was humble enough to write this story that would show that he didn't have it all figured out in the beginning. He had a, a humility to his faith that, that said he was, he was willing to grow and he was willing to admit that he didn't have it all figured out. He was able to, to admit where he got it wrong, um, where he was earnest but earnestly wrong or earnestly ignorant. I mean, you see the earnestness here in John's story um, that he and Peter are racing each other to get to Jesus's tomb. Um, John was, was earnest in his faith, uh, but he didn't get it all right. And he, he had a, a humble faith that was teachable. He had a, a humble faith that realized that getting it right was more important than, than being seen as right. And so he was, was willing to admit where he still had room to grow. He had a, a humble faith that was the, the opposite of being arrogant. He didn't need to, to defend himself or make himself look amazing. Uh, he didn't need to be arrogant. He was willing to be humble before us all. And I think that the, the world doesn't need any more arrogant followers of Jesus. And so would we grow in, in the Lord that we would have a humble faith like John's? And then the next story we encounter is Mary's story, a story of a vocal faith. Starting in verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go, find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. Here we have Mary who is, is weeping at the death of Jesus and weeping at the, uh, the thought that his body has been stolen. And then we find her clinging to Jesus when he reveals himself to her. Uh, her love and her devotion are on display here. And Jesus instructs her that, that he yet must leave and go to the Father, and he entrusts her with a message. He entrusts her with the message to, to go to his disciples and tell them, um, tell them that he is alive and tell them that he is going to the Father. And unlike Peter and John, who encountered the empty tomb and then just returned home, 
Here we find Mary encountering the risen Jesus and she goes and tells the story to others. She goes and, and bears witness to what it is that she has seen. She tells the message that Jesus has entrusted to her. And we need this kind of vocal faith. We are meant to be witnesses. We are meant to be a people who speak out about what we have seen and heard and experienced of Jesus. To, to be a witness is to see something incredible, to see something important, and, and to bear witness, to tell others about what it is that you have seen and experienced. And this, this call to be witnesses is a call that has been on God's people throughout uh, history. And we see this at, in the beginning with, with the, the people of Israel, that, that God, God called them to be witnesses uh, to their experience of Him as their God walking with them. And that they were to, to tell others and to, to live an expression of that out for others to see. And so we see it within the, the people of Israel, the people of God, as well as in the lives of individuals like Moses and the prophets who were meant to bear witness to the things they had seen and heard of God. And this, this mandate upon God's people to, to bear witness together to God's goodness and his work in creation continues here in the book of John and we see Mary continuing that legacy of being a witness. And there's a reason that, that the, the early church, the ancient church, called Mary an apostle to the apostles because here she is the first person to bear witness to the news of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. What have we experienced of Jesus in our life? What, what have we seen and heard and what do we have the opportunity to be witnesses of? In, in Acts chapter 22, we get Paul recounting his story of, of encountering Jesus. And as he tells this story, um, he tells of, of a man named Ananias who told him, you have been appointed to be God's witness, uh, to tell everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? I love that, that part um, of the story where Ananias tells him, what are you waiting for? Almost, almost like he's saying, so get on with it. You know what you are meant to be about. You know what the calling on your life is. And that's the calling on the church. That's the calling on each one of us. That we are to bear witness to what we have seen and heard about Jesus to others. So what are we waiting for? We need to have a vocal faith like Mary's. And the, the third, the third uh, story that we find here in John chapter 20 is that of, of the disciples and their empowered faith. Starting in verse 19, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. 
If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus appears here to his disciples, all of them except for Thomas, and, and they see him and they believe. They believe he's the Messiah. They believe that he is the vindicated savior who's been resurrected. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus was, was the bedrock, the foundation of their faith. Jesus was alive and he was the Messiah. And, and as Jesus appears to them, he commissions them. He, he appears to them and he commissions them. He, he sends them out to continue the mission that he was sent for. That the same way God sent, the Father sent Jesus into the world to fulfill his mission here on earth, that that is the same posture Jesus took in sending out his followers, that they would continue in that same work that he gave his life for. This is who we are about as, as the church. This is, is who we are and what we are about. We live out the mission of God in the world because that is the task that has been entrusted to Jesus's church, to be sent the same way Jesus was sent, to, to be sent on his mission, uh, his work of redemption and reconciliation and new creation. He is sending us to do the same work that he came for in the world. And as he sends his disciples out, he breathes his spirit upon them. And here we see God has, has begun the new work of creation, a new work of life in the world through Jesus. As Jesus breathes, breathes the spirit on his disciples, new life has begun. It's it's like in the Genesis account of, of Jesus breathing life into humanity. That's the, the same picture that we get here in John chapter 20 of Jesus starting new life in the world, breathing new life in us, that things would be different from here on out because new life has sprung forth in the world. The Spirit was animating their lives, animating the lives of the disciples so they would be empowered to live as a faithful presence of Jesus in the world. And Jesus breathes his Spirit into the world so that we might encounter him and his presence in a new and profound way. Because how are we ever supposed to, to fulfill our, our, our sending, our commissioning of, of being uh, the light of Jesus to the world around us if we're not empowered by his spirit? And so Jesus simultaneously sends his disciples out, commissions them, and empowers them with his spirit. Would God grow in us an empowered faith like that of the disciples? And the, the fourth story is, is the story of Thomas. Thomas and his honest faith, beginning in verse 24. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. 
The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. All of the disciples had had, had the chance to, to see Jesus, to encounter um, the risen Lord, and they believed. And Thomas wasn't there. And, and so here we find him being really honest about where he's at. Um, he was honest that he needed more. He needed more than just the testimony of the other disciples. He needed to experience Jesus himself. He needed to see him with his own eyes. He needed to see the wounds and touch them. And some of us, we, we try really hard to, to fit in with the faithful. Uh, we see people around us who have, have seen and experienced Jesus and we see their great and amazing faith. And we feel the need to, to rise to their level of faith. And so it can be, can be really hard to be honest when we're doubting, to be honest when we have questions, to be honest when we just need something more from the Lord. Like outwardly, we can say things like, like praise God, uh, I can do all things who, through Christ who strengthens me. All things work together for the good. Um, God is good all of the time. And so outwardly we can say all of these things and secretly inside it's as if we're saying, I don't know about this. I'm, I'm struggling. I believe God, but help my unbelief. Can you imagine the pressure that was on Thomas here surrounded by the other disciples who all were believing? Uh, the, the pressure for him to just go along with everyone else's faith. But instead of just going along, Thomas was honest with where he was at. He was honest with the people around him. He was honest with God. He was honest with himself about, about where he was in his journey of faith. And Jesus responds to Thomas's honesty by meeting him where he is at and not where he could have pretended to be. Jesus met him right where he was. It says, it's as if Jesus heard his honest expression of faith and responds, I can work with that. And so Jesus shows up and comes to Thomas so lovingly and says, here, here are the wounds in my hand. You can touch them. Here, here's the wound in my side. You can put your hand in it. I, I heard your, your honest declaration of where you're at, and I'm, I'm coming to meet you. And, and then he responds to Thomas and calls him to come even deeper. He meets him where he was at, and he calls him to come deeper. And he says, don't be faithless any longer, but believe. And, a, and an accurate but kind of clunky way to, um, to, to interpret this, this passage would be, a good translation would be, stop becoming unbelieving and get on with becoming believing. Stop becoming unbelieving and get on with becoming believing. Thomas was honest about his unbelief and his need uh, for a tangible experience of God. 
and Jesus responds by inviting Thomas to touch him and then to draw near and, and then bluntly says, okay, let's get on with it now. Let's move forward. Would we all grow in our faith to be able to have this same honesty to our faith like Thomas had? Would God grow in us an honest faith like Thomas's? And then finally, the, the last little story here in chapter 20, we find the, the story of the generation of believers who are to come and their life-giving faith. So once again, Jesus told Thomas, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. In talking with Thomas, Jesus says, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And he speaks of all of us, all of us who are going to come after the apostles, all of us who are going to hear the, the testimony, the faithful story from the witnesses who have come before us, those who have experienced Jesus, those who will hear those stories and will, who will choose to embrace and believe in Jesus and his faithfulness. He speaks about us the faith of the generations to come, a life-giving faith. John says that, that this book was written, the, the, the stories that he, he put into his book were written specifically so that those of us who read and hear it might believe, that we might believe and find life in Jesus' name that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and find life. That after all we've heard about Jesus, we would believe and find life, uh, a, a life-giving faith, uh, a trust in the one who is faithful, a trust in the one who gave his life for us, a trust in the one who embraced and then conquered death so that we might live his very life. Galatians 2.20 says that it's Jesus's life that we're now living, that his life is living in us. The mystery, the beauty, the, the awe-inspiring reality of our lives is that it is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. And as we faithfully live out this new life that we've been given, people are now going to encounter Jesus when they encounter us. That as we faithfully live out our life, others would know Jesus Christ in us. What a beautiful and a weighty gift for us to be given. We have been entrusted We've been entrusted with the, the life of Jesus in us, that we would be a people who love as Jesus loved. We would be a people who live as Jesus lived. We would be a people who trust the Father as Jesus trusted the Father, that we would be a people who pattern our lives after the pattern of Jesus's life. 
And we have been filled with the Spirit, that Spirit breathed into us so that we might faithfully present the life of Jesus to the world around us. This is the life-giving faith that we have been entrusted with. And so as we've looked at these these five um, encounters with the resurrected Jesus in John chapter 20, would we take from these stories uh, the, the, the reality of the faith that has been expressed, a faith that is, is humble, is vocal, is empowered, is honest, and is life-giving? And, and would we pass this faith on to those who are around us, a faith that trusts in Jesus Christ as the resurrected Lord?